0: DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents The Way of Mystery, The Eucharist in Moral Living, with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation, located at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the author of numerous books, including Remain in Me, Holy Orders, Prayer and Ministry, Spousal Prayer, and The Heart of the Diaconate. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats and parish missions. The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist, and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. The last several sessions, we've really taken a look at what occurs during our Eucharistic liturgy and uh, just the profound awesome moment that occurs throughout the entire liturgy but in particular during the liturgy of the eucharist and when we last spoke we discussed the eucharistic prayer and that and the action of the priest and and ultimately Christ offering up our prayers of thanksgiving in that eucharistic prayer our, our sacrifices our offering all those things to the father there comes another important action following that where we all rise to offer the great prayer that Christ gave us and the course that I'm speaking of, the Our Father.
1: The Lord left his his very body and blood for us and he taught us how to pray. He taught us how to speak to the Father. Uh, These two gifts are just incalculable. That Christ has given us himself coming down through all the ages that we can never be separated from him. And he has also given us the prayer or the words or the plea of our heart that we ought to speak to the Father with. Uh, This is such a crucial gift and a lot of times I don't think we understand what a crucial gift it is for our faith because we're so familiar with the Lord's prayer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But the Lord has offered himself to us We now are preparing to receive him in the communion rite. And remember that all of these uh, acts of Christ in the Mass are given to us so that we can be converted and so that we can receive him more fully in communion. The Mass is the Mass of the reconciled. It's not really the Mass of the sinner, so to speak. We have to... Recall that. Serious sin should have been taken care of through the Sacrament of Reconciliation. That, that union, that reunion with Christ should have been celebrated in that sacrament. This is the Mass of the reconciled, as Pope Benedict said recently. And so we who are reconciled to God now have been given words from the second person of the Blessed Trinity himself. We've been given words to say to God. We've been given words about God. We've been given words that help us to enter the mystery of God. So we move from the gift offered into the language that is appropriate for us to say to God right before we actually receive salvation and receive God. And of course, Christ teaches us how to pray by cluing us into his great intimacy with God by calling God Father. Now this relationship that he had with God, the origin, right, the Father, the Father as the origin of all life, and he places God in heaven, the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God lives in that relationship. Heaven is that relationship, and when we go to heaven, that's all that we're participating in. We're participating in the relationship between the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. That's what heaven is. And because that is heaven, it is a holy place. It's the place where God rules and God reigns. There will be no more confusion about authority and power and domain. All who are in heaven will know that God reigns in heaven. And God reigns for only one reason and one reason only. God reigns so that good can be done. His will is the will of goodness. In our moral lives, this is so crucial because so many times we think that the will of God is against us because the will of God is hard. And the will of God is only hard because we have drifted into evil. To come back from evil to virtue is hard. And so we mistake the will of God to be difficult and hard, when in fact, the will of God is only for our good. And the reason it's hard to align ourselves with the will is because we have strayed. God does nothing but will our goodness. His whole Coming among us in the Incarnation was proof that He does nothing but will our goodness. He wills only what a good Father wills for His children. So we want to be taken up into the will of God, which is Jesus' plea in the Lord's Prayer Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That goodness and holiness will reign both in heaven, in the Trinity, and on earth. Those who now participate in the Trinity through the coming of the sun. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven comes to earth in the sun. And we are taken to heaven from earth in the sun. And that place where heaven meets earth and earth earth meets heaven, we are in right now at the mass. Again, it's not historical in the sense that it's past. We are living this prayer in the present. And then, like good children, we ask for our daily bread. And all the mystics have always connected this to the bread that we are just about to receive at the Mass. The bread of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The food of his mystical offering upon the cross. We We want to eat that. What are we eating when we eat our daily bread? We are eating what Jesus willed. And what did Jesus will? The will of the Father. We want that same will that Jesus had. Not my will, but thy will be done. That's our daily bread. To get that mystery in us. And Before we eat this bread, and this is picked up so beautifully in the fact that the Eucharist is the mass of the reconciled and not the sinner. Before we eat that bread, we have to forgive people. And we have to ask for forgiveness. And we have to really beg God to not lead us into temptation. To not abandon us in our fears about the end, about death, about loneliness. To heal our affection for sin. Don't let us grow deeper in affection for our sin. Help us to grow in affection for you and then to deliver us from evil because left to our own devices, we will continually choose evil. We really need, as they say in the Old Testament, the deliverer, the savior. We really need the deliverer because left to our own devices, we will choose evil. As we more and more inhabit this prayer of Jesus, we will more and more take on the mind of Jesus, the mind of the Father. So this prayer, even though we say it so often and it's so familiar to us, on occasion we should pause and receive it at a deeper level. Because what we have in this prayer is God telling us how to speak to God. It's God inviting us to use the words of God to speak to God. And the words of God here are simply the mystery of heaven come to earth and what happens when heaven comes to earth. What happens when heaven comes to earth is that earth cries out to be reconciled to heaven. So what you have in the Lord's Prayer is the entire mystery of salvation. Lord, teach us how to pray. And he did. Did he ever. Revealing the very mind and the heart of the Father. A heart that goes after his wayward children. Not to condemn, but to reconcile.
0: The moment that carries us to the next level after the Our Father is that sign of peace. And it has had a different life in the liturgy of the Eucharist. Can you help us to understand exactly what the sign of peace should be for us?
1: The sign of peace is a, is a gesture wherein we become a little more aware of the peace that Christ has left to the church. And Again, peace in its fullest understanding is communion, is reconciliation. Uh, it, it's just a gesture that tells us or invites us to look upon one another in the way that God looks upon us, as fellow uh, believers, as people of, of a faith that we share. Uh, in that beautiful prayer that the priest says, look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Let's look upon one another that way. Let's look upon one another, not upon our sins, but on the fact that we're fellow believers in Jesus. And we beg God to look upon us as, as those who have responded in faith to his mystery. And so before we actually receive communion it's a small gesture for us to remember that there are the people around us share what is most precious to us they too trust that Jesus is their savior and if we live this out there will be harmony reconciliation communion there will be peace shalom if we live this out if we live out the fact that we believe and we trust that Jesus is our savior, there will be peace as the fruit of that faith.
0: We'll return in just a moment to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from inside the pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts Free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts Free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today.
2: Litany of Humility
0: O Jesus, meek and humble of heart,
2: hear me. From the desire of being esteemed,
0: deliver me, Jesus.
2: From the desire of being loved,
0: deliver me, Jesus.
2: From the desire of being extolled,
0: deliver me, Jesus.
2: From the desire of being honored,
0: deliver me, Jesus.
2: From the desire of being praised,
0: deliver me, Jesus.
2: From the desire of being preferred to others,
0: deliver me, Jesus.
2: From the desire of being consulted,
0: deliver me, Jesus.
2: From the desire of being approved,
0: deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated,
2: Deliver me, Jesus,
0: from the fear of being despised.
2: Deliver me, Jesus,
0: from the fear of suffering rebukes.
2: Deliver me, Jesus,
0: from the fear of being calumniated.
2: Deliver me, Jesus,
0: from the fear of being forgotten.
2: Deliver me, Jesus,
0: from the fear of being ridiculed.
2: Deliver me, Jesus,
0: from the fear of being wronged.
2: Deliver me, Jesus
0: from the fear of being suspected.
2: Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I.
0: That others may be esteemed more than I.
2: That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease.
0: That others may be chosen and I set aside.
2: That others may be praised and I unnoticed.
0: That others may be preferred to me in everything
2: That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should.
0: Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it.
2: Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today.
0: We now return to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. In the action that follows the Agnus Dei, that's the Lamb of God, it is such a tremendous litany, isn't it, for us to proclaim together?
1: And here again, we're taken to the very heart of uh, the reconciling movement of God. The reminder of our own anthropology is wounded. The memory of our own personal sins, The power that we cannot do anything about our sins. And that all of this All of these choices that we make that block our intimacy with God, all of these choices God wants to remove from us, wants to heal out of the power of his own sacrifice, which is the the language of the lamb, the perfect innocent lamb that was slain. And it is he who takes away the sins of the world, and notice that we say it three times, so that it actually works its way into our consciousness that the lamb, the innocent one, is the one who takes away the sins. No matter how hard we will, no matter how smart we are, no matter how strong we are, nothing can get that sin out of us except the lamb. And then we beg the lamb to have mercy on us and then to, again, with a reference to communion and reconciliation, to give us the peace we need. And so this whole uh, fracturing or the breaking of the bread around the mystery of the innocent lamb takes us into also the mystery of our own sin and our own impotence before sin. And so here we are at a key meditation on our own common priesthood, that we are to offer these sins so that the lamb will heal them out of his power. So it's a crucial transition from uh, the Eucharistic prayer now into the preparation period before we actually receive the Lord himself, it reminds us of his innocent power. It reminds us that innocence is power, divine innocence, and that we have to trust in this power if we are ever to have our sins taken from us. There's a couple prayers that follow that the the priest says privately that I'll just mention just very briefly here.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit your death brought life to the world by your holy body and blood free me from my sins and from every evil keep me faithful to your teaching and never let me be parted from you this is said inaudibly by the priest but this is a crucial prayer for us to meditate on as well but just draw attention to the last section particularly keep me faithful to your teaching He's just about to receive communion himself. And what is the priest thinking about? He's thinking about fidelity to truth. We ought to be thinking about that too when we receive our communion. He's also thinking about another thing where he says, and never let me be parted from you. He's thinking about his own frailty. He's thinking about his own capacity to to actually allow temptation to lead him astray. He's thinking about his own weakness and his need for an interior strength from God. We should be thinking about that as well when we receive communion. Lord, keep me faithful to your teaching. Help me love the truth that I heard at this Mass in the liturgy of the Word. Help me love the truth that I experienced in the Eucharistic prayer of you gifting the world with your life, your death, and your resurrection. Help me love these truths. And Lord, help me to always depend on your strength and your power. For separated from you, I can do nothing. These are very powerful personal prayers that the priest says. But I think we can also join in spirit with him. There's another option the priest has at this point to say a prayer, a briefer prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, with faith in your love and mercy, I eat your body and drink your blood. Let it not bring me condemnation, but health in mind and body. And in this preparation prayer, the priest is focused on healing. And we have to be focused on healing too in the Mass. Now the translation of the word health can also mean salvation, the salvation in mind and body. But whether it's salvation or health, there is a healing, there is a, an end of the rift. There is a, an end of disintegration in me as a result of receiving Eucharist. I am no longer disintegrated. I'm no longer falling apart. I'm being put back together by the Lord. Being put back together. That's what we want to focus on when we receive communion. I no longer want to disintegrate in your presence, Lord. But out of your power, I want you to integrate me into your life, your death, and your resurrection. So These personal prayers of the priest also remind us of the power that the Eucharist is having on our moral and our spiritual lives.
0: Then we offer a prayer, one that is so deeply moving for all of us. It's just yet another moment of reconciliation
1: it just keeps hitting us over and over again. The sense of our worth, the sense of our separation between our our human existence and divine existence. Uh, Again, reminding those who are too optimistic about our human state that they perhaps should think again. Those who fall into the most popular sin of all today in the United States, the sin of presumption. They may want to take pause over the continual theme throughout the Eucharist of our sinful state and our need for reconciliation. And here again is the the apex of that consciousness where we say, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Happy are those who are called to his supper. And we say, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. Here, we're not taking the Lord. We're not worthy to take the Lord. There's no taking going on here, it's an act of violence. We are being given what we do not deserve. Some people might have this consciousness after they have fallen in love with the one that they actually dreamed about. That they are being given something they do not deserve. You're much better than me. There's a common sense of in some couples when they fall in love that, how did I ever get you? How did I ever deserve you? What good thing did I do that I was so fortunate to receive such a person of virtue as my wife or my husband? That's a familiar human experience. Well, this is happening here at the Mass. We receive and we humbly receive that which we do not understand. God's great love for the human being, even though human beings do not love God. That's what we're receiving, God's great love even though we do not love him. We're not worthy to receive God. This is why it's so terrible for those people who have politicized the Eucharist in the sense that this is a right that we have. This is a right for everyone. Anybody off the street can come in and receive Holy Communion. How dare you say that, that only the worthy can or those, those certain types of people can. We should have intercommunion. We should have Eucharistic hospitality. It's ludicrous for a non-believer to receive the Eucharist. It means nothing. It's a meaningless act. And in fact, the Catholic Church protects the consciences of people who do not believe. The Catholic Church may actually reverence their conscience more than they do when they say, "If you do not believe that this is the real body and blood of Christ, and you are not in union with the papal office, and you cannot say our creed." We ask that you not receive. What the church is saying there very plainly is, we ask you to be faithful to who you are. It's a great gift that the church is giving to the world by calling only its own members to the altar. Why would someone want to lie and come forward to receive the Lord when they don't believe what they are receiving? The church is protecting those who have not yet received the gift of faith, protecting the faith that they have now or protecting the religious expression that they have now. For remember, you're only responsible for the truth that you are able to acknowledge. The Lord's protecting that and reverencing that. Excuse me, the church is protecting and reverencing that. But in our politicized world, where whenever the word no is said or whenever a boundary is put up, It is always seen as an opportunity to revolt. They're totally misconstruing what the church is doing here. No, don't come forward if you don't believe. Please, please reverence your own conscience. Don't make a mockery of what you believe. Don't come forward in body language and say that I believe that this is truly the body and blood, soul and divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you don't. Don't threaten your own position before God by lying and coming up here to receive communion. The Catholic Church is protecting people by not offering so-called Eucharistic hospitality. And we have seen of late, even in explicitly political circles with the controversy over John Kerry and others, we have seen it where there's a great debate should priests give communion to those who are publicly scandalizing the teachings of the Church. And rightfully, the Church puts the onus on the person who comes forward. But if it's a notorious sinner, or it's a public figure like a politician, we cannot slight the burden that the priest or the Eucharistic minister feels too. In actually giving the Lord to those who publicly dissent, from very, very key teachings of the Church about the reverence and the dignity of innocent life, and other sins as well. It's not an onus totally on those who come to receive. I've spoken to many priests and Eucharistic ministers who wrestle over the fact of, well, what if someone like that would come to me? I have a conscience too. And this conscience has to be reverenced as well, the conscience of the Eucharistic minister. One pragmatic way of doing this that I've uh, heard and perhaps has some sanity to it, is that if you're ever in a situation, and this is a rare event, of course, but if you're ever in a situation where you have to give communion to a notorious sinner or a public person who descends, that you would do so, so as to not cause a scene at at the Mass itself. But that afterwards you would seek this person out and you were to say, if I ever see you before me again, in order to receive communion i am going to re- i am going to assume that you went to confession and i will give you the body and blood but i am putting that obligation on you that if you ever come before me again i am assuming you have gone to confession in saying this to some extent the eucharistic minister or priest deliberates his own conscience or her own conscience to give communion in a way that wouldn't cause disruption in the church. But they are also clearly instructing and catechizing the person uh, that they should go to confession and their life should change before they were come to communion again. Because what they are receiving here is the truth itself. And we have to put no obstacle to truth in receiving the Lord if we put an obstacle to truth we are mocking what we are receiving and this is why of course the church tells us we ought never receive communion when we are conscience conscious of mortal sin because you cannot receive that which you are not capable of receiving you cannot receive the truth itself jesus if you hate the truth it's a lie and you should not come forward publicly to lie.
0: You've been listening to The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Way of Mystery, The Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating.